Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. It's so good. It's so good. You know, Jake, Jacob was sleeping in Bethel, right? And he saw, he had a dream and he saw the angels of God ascending and descending. He said, God is in this place and I did not know it. Thank you, Lord, that we get to know your presence. We get to be aware of what you're doing and saying, you know, in this environment, um, everybody can have a prophetic word. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's awesome. And I love it. I love it. And, uh, I don't know how many countless people came forward feeling something, and God, it's good. It's good. God's moving on your your dreams, what He's saying and doing, and uh, don't don't discount them, and uh, place value on the movement of the Holy Spirit, both in your life and when you're corporately gathering. We need we need to. Enter in reverentially in the fear of the Lord, and but place value because God is on the move. And um, <clears throat> Juliana released something about dreams, and I know it stirred multiple people here about their dreams. And and the fact that it stirred you means that God's like confirming that that dream is significant, and and He's moving on it. One of the things that she didn't fully complete the thought on, and she called Luke up, Luke tomorrow is leaving for um, uh, the Bible ministry school at um, Upper Room. And so three years ago, he was not serving the Lord. She was given a dream about him three years ago, <laughs> the real thing. And uh, so I just wanted to complete that thought for you guys. It's like God gives you dreams it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. It's important that we understand the unseen realm is more powerful, more real than the seen realm. And we tend to get most of our information from what we see here, feel, taste, and touch. And uh, it's important that we understand that everything was created from what was unseen. You know, God created everything from the unseen realm, and he called, the, he, he, from the unseen realm, he called everything into existence. So everything that you see was created from what is not seen. That's Hebrews chapter 11. And it, it fits right into my message today. <laughs> what does the Bible teach about healing? What does the Bible teach about healing? The Word of God, how many know that the Word of God is true? How many, says, how many understand that the Scripture tells us that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free? But it's only truth that you know. It's only truth that you know, and, and right, Ted, abide. But it's because it, 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 it's, it's related because you can know something intellectually in your head, 
and I've known things intellectually in my head, but I haven't walked out them experientially. For example, some of you have heard my testimony about uh, really being delivered of an orphan spirit after being in Christ for like 30 years and you know, being at the Father Loves You conference in Toronto, yes and amen, I'm a son. But until like something came and tested that word, I didn't realize that I knew something in my head to be true, that I'm adopted. He's grafted me in to, you know, to, to his family. And, and I've, the spirit of adoption, I understood it here. But here I was an orphan. So there was an 18-inch gap between my head and my heart. And it's only what you know deep in your heart, in the soul realm, where it's when you're convinced of it, you walk in the truth of it. And when you know it in your heart, you know, with um, <clears throat> the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But it's belief in the heart. You know, many say they believe in God. Yes, I believe in God. That, you, don't, that's not, you don't get salvation because you believe. The Bible says the devils believe and they tremble. They're not saved. It says, actually, when it's in your heart, it impacts how you live your life. It changes how you approach life. It changes what you do. And so that's why it says faith without works is dead, because your faith will impact how you live your life. So how many, how many here uh, are born again, know Jesus as Savior, and have committed your lives to him? Just raise your hand. Okay. Look, everybody who hasn't raised their hand, we start praying for them. <laughs> but throughout the, the body of Christ, it's universally understood that Christ died a substitutionary death for us. It says that, that he, he, he died vicariously or in our place. Christ bore our sins on himself on the cross. And that by his death, uh, burial, and resurrection, by putting our faith and trust that he took our sins on the cross, that he took the punishment for our sins on the cross, and he died and was buried, and through his resurrection, we are saved when we put our faith, trust, and confidence in him, that he did it for us. That's universally understood across the body of Christ. All Bible-believing Christians fully accept that, and, and, and they know they're forgiven of their sins. How many know you're forgiven of your sins? And we walk in that. Unfortunately, a lot of the church has, you know, while we fully embrace that truth and walk in it, and, you know, sometimes when you're first saved, you may battle a little bit with believing that you've been forgiven, but as you walk in God, you start to understand he's faithful. You know, and if we... If we, if we do sin, we know he's faith. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that was only part of what was accomplished at the cross. And it's important that we understand that that was an important part. I'm so grateful that he's, he, 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 his blood, his death and resurrection, uh, that he died for me, that I'm forgiven my sins, and that I'm connected to the Lord. I'm his son, and I will be forever connected to the Lord and and you know, I have an eternity to spend in heaven with him. But that was only a part. All throughout the Bible, the, Bible, the word for salvation in the Bible uh, is the word, the Greek word is translated sozo. <clears throat> or this, the Greek word sozo is translated sometimes forgiveness of sins, sometimes healing, sometimes deliverance. But it's the same word throughout, and we don't always catch that... Um, 
It's the same word for forgiveness of sins, sozo, as healing and deliverance. So at the cross, he not only died for the forgiveness of our sins, but for our healing and for our deliverance. So it's important that we begin to understand. We have to lay a foundation. That's what was provided. Turn with me to Mark 16. Mark chapter 16, beginning of verse 15. And I'll be reading from the King James Bible. New King James. As opposed to the old one, but here we are. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Everyone say, believes. Believes. It's important that we believe. All things are possible to them who believe. We have to get back to this place where we put our faith in God and we believe. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Not maybe, will. How many believe it? How many believe it? How many haven't always seen it? Do you believe what you see? Well, here's a question. You, you know, we some, I didn't see it, so I'm going to stop praying for the sick. I, I'm guilty. I, I'm like really on this faith thing, praying for the sick, praying for the sick, not seeing results, and I start to get discouraged. And, 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 and the Lord says, what do you believe? Do you believe your discouragement? Okay. If, if we're not seeing results, then it, there's something wrong, and we have to start saying, okay, God, what's your, I know your word is true. And I need to start to examine myself and, exa- like, why am I not seeing the results? And we're going to get into that uh, in, in just a moment. But I want to lay the foundation. He, he, he said, um, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. Uh, they will lay hands on a sick and they will recover. Turn with me to Acts 10.38. This is, in Acts 10, it's actually the story of Cornelius. You know, it's interesting. Um, the angel appeared to Cornelius. I say this because uh, Kevin's messaging the offering a little bit. And it says, Cornelius, uh, your arms have come up before the Lord as a sweet-smelling savor. It had a smell. His offering, his gifts to the Lord had a smell in heaven. So sometimes it sounds weird, like, what are these people talking about? <laughs> but it's, it's just, this is the word of God, and it's real. So there, it, it has a smell. <laughs> anyway, Acts 10.38. So, so Cornelius received a dream, uh, and, and the angel of the Lord spoke to him, and he said, send for Peter, and uh, he's going to tell you the way of salvation. Uh, Peter had a dream. We're talking about dreams today. God's breathing on dreams. And, well, maybe it was a vision. It was a vision, right? Peter was in, in prayer, and then he had, an, like, an open vision, and, um, <clears throat> and God spoke to him and said, uh, you know, don't call unclean what I've called clean. 
And he was opening up Peter, who was used to um, an Old Testament reality of the, God, the, the good news was given to the Jewish people to be a testimony to all the world. But it was kind of cloistered within the Jewish community. But now God was going to bring this word and, and out into all of the Gentiles. And so Peter, was, as he was pondering these matters, uh, two messengers came from Cornelius and said, uh, you know, wanted him to come with them to Cornelius's house. And Peter said, you know, I might not have gone before, but God's spoken to me, you know, not to call unclean what he's called clean. So he goes to Cornelius's house, and uh, the Holy Spirit falls on him. And so <clears throat> Peter's in shock because the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. And then he starts sharing with them the gospel. Or as he's sharing with them the gospel, maybe I got my order wrong. The Holy Spirit fell. But this is what he said. He was telling about Jesus, and he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Say all. all. So he was healing all. Does all mean some? No. Jesus healed all. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. God was with him. Is God with you? Come on, everyone raised your hand. You're born again. God lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's with you. He said he'd never leave you. Come on. This is exciting. All right, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, 24, uh, verse 24. First Peter 2.24, talking of Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So we're talking about forgiveness of sins. He bore your sins. We can live, we can live unto God because we have his righteousness. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. When Christ is on that cross, you were with him. You were crucified with him. You died and were buried with him by faith in what he did. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I who live, but what? Christ lives in me. That's powerful. That's powerful. Yet, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. If Christ lives in you, that means you should be walking like he walked. You should be talking like he talked. Listen, we're all in process. I get it. I'm still being, my mind's still being renewed. My wife reminds me when I'm not walking in love and grace. And she's right, and I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> but he's good, but it's Christ in me. And so we, Juliana read the scripture about John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist say? He must increase, and I must decrease. I want the life of Christ in me to increase. And the flesh nature, that fallen nature, has got to increase. It's got, I've got to reconcile it dead unto God and live unto righteousness. Okay. So 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. You were healed. It's past tense. You see, it was accomplished at the cross. You see, at the cross, he not only died for the forgiveness of your sins, he died for the healing of your body. 
He died for the deliverance of all the oppression of the enemy tries to, to put on us. He accomplished it at the cross. It's so important, and, and most, of, most of the Christian world, all throughout evangelical Christendom, we know that he died for our sins, and we, you know, the, the, the body of Christ fully embraces that. But sometimes we don't fully embrace the fact that he died for our healing and for our deliverance. And, and, and sometimes, even though we've been saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, the Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many since you've been saved have been tempted to sin? Okay, what are we supposed to do when we're tempted? Resist, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But how many, when we are sick in our bodies, start quoting the scripture, by his stripes we're healed and we start resisting? Some of us do. Some of us don't. And, but how many get frustrated and give up? You know, we can't, here's the thing, you can't get frustrated, man. We got to, the word of God is true. Let, let God be true and every man a liar. What I see, what, what is unseen is more powerful than what is seen. I can't live my life by what I see. The just shall live by faith. Faith in God. And so God is prompting, look, he's working on me. Many of you know I've been going through a little health challenge lately, and God's bringing me back. You know, I got saved in 1981. Everybody say, wow, Bill's old. <laughs> In 81, what the Holy Spirit was doing was breathing on the faith movement. Some of you older saints like me might remember that. But the faith movement was what God was breathing on. You know, uh, we, we've now been up to Toronto, and we've seen the Toronto Outpour in Brownsville, what's going on at Bethel. We love it all. I've always just been trying to stay plugged into what the Holy Spirit's doing. But I want to tell you, in the 80s, you know, it, it, the only thing that was alive was God was building faith in the church. He was building faith in the church. Now, I get it that some of it was taken to an excess and applied to selfish desires, and then it got weird. And because of that, a lot of people started diminishing the faith movement. But listen, you know, when you wash a baby in a bathtub, you know, you get the dirt and some of the oil off, right? What do you do with the bathwater after you're done? You drain it down the drain, right? You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? You clean it out and you, you, you love that baby. Well, that's the same thing. You, you have to learn to chew on the word of God and the truth. And because some people take things to an extreme or mess things up. You don't throw it all out. You got to, what does the Bible say in Galatians? Test all things, hold fast that which is good. Yeah. You know, let two or three prophesy, let the others judge, not in a way of, oh, you missed it, you're a mess, you know, but in a way of what is God saying in the midst of this? Hold fast to that which is good. We all have impressions and things go on, and some, some resonate more with you than others. I'm just letting you know you need to test all things, hold fast to that which is good. So we need to hold fast to what God is doing, what God is saying. And when, when, he's, when he, all, all things are possible to those who believe, he wants us to enter into the fullness of the gospel. How many, if you gave your, your child a, a, a smartphone and all they used it to do was text and didn't use any of the features, you'd say, like, 
hey, you know, that phone can do a whole lot more than you're using it for, you know, and I can show you. And, uh, you know, and sometimes if you have older kids, they still won't call you. But <laughs> it's like, can you pick up the phone and call? I'll text. It's got other features. Anyway, that's a side. I'm telling on myself a little bit. God is good. But the, the reality is, is if you have a smartphone, how many use it to text? How many use it to email? How many use it to search on Google? How many use it to check your social media accounts? How many use it for so many other things? Keep your calendar, your appointment. If you only used it to make phone calls, it, yeah, that works. That's good. But that's, you've, you've kind of, like you're not getting the full benefit of this phone. Okay, salvation is like that. If, if we just believe salvation is for the forgiveness of my sins, that's awesome. And that works, right? But there's so much more. There's so much more. And we need to press into it. And the fact that sometimes we don't see something uh, doesn't mean you give up. We, we give up too easy. You know, we got to be persistent. The widow and the unjust judge, Luke 18. Give me justice. And he's like, I don't fear man. I don't fear God or man. And he wouldn't hear her. But because of what? Her persistence. She didn't give up. She persisted. We need persistence. So 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. It's done. Turn with me to Psalm 103. Going to read verses 1 to 5. By the way, how many know that the Bible is the Word of God? Can you just raise your hand? All right. It's the Word of God. It's truth. Okay. It's, it's the plumb line for everything. We need to base our life on the Word of God. And what happens when the Word of God isn't lining up to what we're experiencing? Do we explain it away? Do we form some kind of theological conclusion I mean, you could do this, and there's many a seminary that I'll they'll teach. They'll give you some explanation as to why it's not lining up. But what does Jesus say? He says, you've got to come to me like a little child. What is, what is the, the thing about little children? They believe whatever you tell them. Little children come with just faith and belief. And, you know, then we tell them about Santa Claus, and we tell them about all these things, and then they find that's not true, and then they start to get jaded. Oh, well, I guess I can't believe everything you say. And, then, and, and so it starts, to, it starts to create a mindset of, you know, I, I don't know what I can believe. But we can believe the Word of God. We can come to Jesus based on what he says and believe it. Psalm 103, beginning of verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's telling, forget not. You got to remember. What does that mean? You got to rehearse them. You got to talk about them. Remember them. Call them to remembrance. Tell other people about them. You know, the best way to remember something is to keep speaking about it. 
You know, if you say, give me your phone number, got it, and you walk away, like 10 minutes later, you won't even remember it. But you keep repeating it over and over. Let me repeat it back to you. Like, all, like the more you say it, it'll deposit it in a different part of your brain, and then you start to remember it. Okay? You got to say things. You got to talk about it. Forget not. You know, we, many people will come to a Sunday service. You'll hear a sermon. You got to talk about what's going on. Like, what is the Lord saying? I don't know how many. I'm, I'm guilty. I don't know how many great sermons I was in, just moved. But you, you asked me, like, a week later or five, or maybe the next day, like, what was church about? I, I, uh-oh. <laughs> we got to rehearse these things. That's why it's important, like, take notes sometimes. Write things down. Go back. Read them over. <laughs> it's helpful when I have the notes already. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Um, forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities and heals some of your diseases. No, it doesn't say some. It says all. Come on, he heals all. This is the word of God. This is, and this is Old Testament. We have, a better, we, have a, uh, we have a better word based on better promises, based on a better sacrifice in Hebrews. The Lamb of God, not, not Jesus shed his own blood for us. All right, turn with me to Mark 11, beginning of verse 20. I want to... Okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to back you up a little bit. To verse 12. Jesus is walking along the way, and it says, Now on the next day, when he had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. So looking and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he saw the fig tree full of leaves, he, he, he said, Oh, it, it must be blooming. It must have fruit on it. And so when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Well, I guess he was a little annoyed. It's probably a deeper, deeper meaning about the fig tree. It's symbolic, I think, but I'm, I don't want to get into that now, but I just throw that out there. So now let's, let's move down to verse 20. Continuing the story, but time passes, and it's now in the morning, so it's a, a day later. As they passed by, they saw the fig tree, and it was dried up from the roots, all the way from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Verse 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. I think this scripture, we could isolate it for a minute. This, this, this is probably the most important scripture or one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Don't have faith in your faith. Don't have faith in your own ability. Don't have, you know, faith in something else. Have faith in God. <laughs> 
Have faith in God. He's able, and he's good. He's got good plans for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. We put that in the door. When you walk in, that speaks over you every time you walk through. I know his plans for me. They're plans for good and not for evil. Have faith in God. Even if when, when you're seeing things not lining up for good, have faith in God. When things are going good, give thanks. Say, thank you, God. But just know he's good. Okay, so have faith in God. Verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you will receive them and you will have them. Wow. There's a lot to unpack here. Have faith in God, number one. He, that's where our faith is. Our faith is in God. Yeah. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Here's an issue. Doesn't doubt in his heart. You know, each of us have been given a measure of faith. The fact that you're here, it, you were given faith for salvation. Each of us has a measure of faith. You know, it doesn't take a lot of faith. You know, Jesus said if you have the faith of a mustard seed, right, that's all you need. Must, you ever seen a mustard seed? It's like the tiniest, tiniest little seed. But yet it grows into one of the mightiest, biggest trees. Because inside that mustard seed is the DNA to come forth a mighty tree, even though it's a tiny, tiny thing. Your faith is sufficient. Okay, but here's the thing. Sometimes we doubt. It does not doubt in his heart. Here's the thing. You need faith has to not be an intellectual acknowledgement. We got to move from our heads to our heart. And so we got to start saying, God, I want to move it from here to here. Like get it in my heart so that it, I, every, it's in me. I believe it. I'm convinced of it. I know it. It's in my heart. But doubt could be in your heart too. Why? Because you could have wounds. You know, your experiences impact your heart, and, and it creates doubt. <clears throat> but if we believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you have received them, and you will have them. It's important that you say them. So the word has power by, by God spoke and the words were formed. Like, well, we need to speak things to see them happen. You know, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we say we're having faith in God and then we start speaking negative, doubtful things, you're kind of something's showing up and you're, you're, you're negating your faith. Now, look, I'm on a journey with this. I'm battling. I've been battling for, for my health and I'm just, the Lord's reminding me, you know, you got to overcome things. And what I'm seeing is I believe your word, but there's some obstacles. And I think some of the obstacles are doubt and unbelief, one of them. It's interesting. Keep going on. The next verse, 25, says when you stand praying, because what, uh, let's go back. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Verse 25, and when you're there praying, if you have anything against 
anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So it's telling you, you can believe. Sometimes there's obstacles. What's one of the obstacles? Unforgiveness. Another obstacle earlier, doubt. So a couple of obstacles there. Okay, so if you're not seeing results, say, God, okay, I know your word is true. It's eternally true. If I'm facing obstacles, help me to recognize them because I want to overcome them. Once you recognize an obstacle, you can overcome it. Once I recognized I had an orphan heart at one point, things I was going through, that I knew I was a son in my head, but in my heart, I was orphaned. And it took me a long time, but I had an epiphany that I was, oh, wow, <laughs> you're acting like an orphan. You, you have an orphan spirit. Then I, had to go, then I went to work saying, I got to overcome this orphan spirit. See, when you recognize the obstacle, then you can defeat it. Okay. Let's turn with me to um, Matthew chapter 14, beginning of verse 22. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So beginning of verse 22 Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. So Jesus was preaching to the multitude. And uh, at the end of the time, he said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll dismiss the congregation. Why don't you guys start your journey, get in the boat, I'll meet you on the other side. Actually, it says that he needed some time to himself. How many sometimes you got to get alone with the Lord? You can't always just be hanging out with everybody. You need time with the Lord. So what does it say? And he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. There's a key to understanding how Jesus operated. He needed time with the Lord. You need time with the Lord. I need time with the Lord. Just for myself. It's good to be with, with others, but sometimes you got to be with yourself with the Lord. Okay. Now, evening came, and he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, and guess what? It was tossed by the waves, so the wind was contrary. So they were out at sea, and it was rough, and they're trying to get to the other side, and the wind was against them, so they're rowing hard. They're not making a lot of progress. It's frustrating, and it's, maybe it's a little scary. How many have been on a boat in rough seas? I was only once on a boat in a rough seas, deep sea fishing, and everybody on the boat got sick. It was rough. <laughs> I haven't been back. <laughs> no, actually, I went back once. Um, okay, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, the fourth watch sounds pretty late. It's probably after the second and third watch. <coughs> so it's, it's, it's in, the, in the night. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Oh, my God, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, fear will is like the detergent of faith. You know, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Recognize that all fear comes from the devil. So if you're suffering with anxiety, depression, some of that, you need to resist it because that's not of God. That will not, that will not lead you in the ways of God. Uh, it, it just won't because it's, it's based in a, in a spirit. Um, so, so they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know, when angels show up, first, most of the time they tell us, fear not, because people freak out like, oh, my God. 
do not be afraid. So Jesus told him, don't be afraid. And Peter answered and said, hmm, Lord, if that's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus spoke the word of God. Jesus was the word of God. Every word he spoke was the word of God. He was the word made flesh. So he said, come. And so Peter, he, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. He heard the word, come. So what did Peter do? Peter, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus, period. How many Bibles have a period? My Bible has a period. He walked on water to go to Jesus. How many of the disciples or other apostles walked on water? I don't, I don't see any recorded. Maybe they did, but I don't see it recorded. How many of you have walked on water? Okay. Peter must have had some faith. He was walking on water. Okay. And when Peter had come down to the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But, everybody say, but. Here's the problem. But. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, everybody say saw. When he saw. Where are you getting your information from? Are you getting, are you basing what you believe based on what you see. Jesus said, Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. When you saw the symptoms, you felt the symptoms. See, see, saw is just another reference for the natural carnal realm, the, the, uh, the sense realm, if you will. What you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, you know, what's tangible in this realm. The scene realm. So when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, what happened? He was afraid. Fear is the detergent of faith. Because well, what is fear? Fear is a belief that something wrong is going to happen. Why would you be afraid? Like you're walking down the street and, you know, you see, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a, a group of people who look like they're up to no good, and then you get, like, I don't, I, I don't think I should walk down here. You, you get afraid. And uh, why is that? That's based on experience, you know, based on things maybe you've experienced or others you know have experienced, and you said, you know what, maybe I should take a different path. Maybe that's wisdom based on what's going on, right? So you, we have our knowledge. but <clears throat> So most of us get our knowledge from the sense realm. So this is not weird for Peter. You know, how many, you know, how many have uh, read a book and learned something? Okay. You read, you understood, you learned. It was in the sense realm. That, that's fine. I mean, I read the book, I read the Bible, I learn, but I also commune with the Holy Spirit, and I get deeper understanding, right? So we, 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 it, 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 it's not bad, but you need to be tuned into the higher realm, Right? Just because, you know, we see things, we have to see things from God's perspective. Okay. So, Peter came down out of the boat. He walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And he beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him. And Jesus is so merciful. He just caught him. And he said, O ye of little faith, why did you 
doubt. So he had faith. I mean, we just read it. Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on water to Jesus, period, full stop. He was doing it. But then he started looking, and he started taking information from a different realm. Uh, when Moses sent out, he sent 12 spies into the land. The Israelites were given a promise. God's given us the land. I don't know. Maybe Moses shouldn't have sent out spies, but he did. <laughs> he should have just went in. But he sent the 10 spies out. Ten came, two came back with a good report. Ten came back with a bad report. <clears throat> and what happened? Two believed. Oh, God is well able. He's given us the land. It's an amazing land. It's filled with milk and honey and you should see the fruit of the land. The ten, ten others said, yeah, it's filled with milk and honey, and the fruit of the land's amazing. But they were giants. And we're like, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. In the, you know, we're like grasshoppers in, in their sight, and that's how they saw themselves, as grasshoppers. And so they, based, on, based on that, they, they discouraged all of Israel from entering the promised land. And all of that, that generation, other than uh, Caleb and Joshua, Nobody got to go into the promised land. It would be another generation. They all passed away in the wilderness. <clears throat> so what you believe impacts your life. What you put value in is going to determine your destiny. You know, if you put value and belief in things that are lies and unstable, it's, your life is going to not be good. If you, put your life, your, your, if you value the word of God and put your faith, trust, and hope in it, and believe him, despite of what's being seen, it's going to go well with you. Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He had a little faith. He walked on water. It's more than I've done. But he doubted. I kind of think, especially in a community like ours, I mean, we are people of faith. We're pressing in. We, we sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. We know he wants to do mighty things. You know, we've had our missions team come back, and miracle signs and wonders were following the preaching of the word, like in Mark 16. They, saw, they were laying hands on the sick, and they were recovering. You know, but we also have to believe God for our own healing. You know, by his stripes, we were healed. And if we're not seeing it, then there's, a, there's an obstacle, you know, there's an obstacle, something in, in the way of our faith, and we have to start to deal with those obstacles. And one of those obstacles is doubt and unbelief. And so God, come and, come and deal with my doubt and unbelief. If there's unforgiveness, we just read, you know, God can't hear you. <laughs> so you got to deal with the unforgiveness. So there's, there, there could be a number of things, but we need to, we need to, to get with it. Um, just in closing, real quick, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Beginning of verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all seed, to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you father of many nations. So Abraham is the father of all people of faith, many nations. In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. 
That's how Abraham operated. He calls God, and God, he calls those things that do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, meaning there was no natural reason Abraham should have hope. In hope he believed, and he became the father of many nations. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead. What does it say? He didn't consider it. What are you thinking? When we're walking in faith, what are we considering? Abraham didn't look at his body and say, well, God, I'm too old for this. But he believed God. He didn't even consider, did not consider his own body already dead since he was 100 years old, about. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, she was past her menstrual, you know, she wasn't getting her cycle anymore. So in the natural, it's like, you know, she can't conceive. I mean, I've talked to my friends. That doesn't happen anymore. It says he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. All things are possible to him who believes. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced. Are we fully convinced? We have to be fully convinced that what God has promised, and I'm talking about healing today, but you can apply it to whatever he's promised. Being fully convinced that what he promised, he was able to perform. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Not you, not your faith, not faith in faith. It's faith in God. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could even ask, think, or imagine. And therefore, it was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is present in this room. We just say, come, Lord. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Our faith is in the risen Lord. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he's, he's sitting at the right hand of God. He's actually there interceding right now on your behalf. He wants you to have the faith of God. Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. You're not even operating in your own faith. You're operating in His faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Maybe some of you who are dealing with impossible situations, that's God's specialty. You got an impossible situation? Have faith in God. I want, I'm going to ask the prayer ministry team to come up. We're praying for the impossible today. If you have any impossible situation, have faith in God. He is able. He's present to save, to heal, to deliver. I'm going to say it again. He is present to save, to heal, and to deliver. That should cover everything. 
Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just say come. God's answering prayers today because we're putting our faith in God. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.